listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Good morning, New Chapel. How's everybody doing this morning? Y'all doing good? Hey, look at you. You guys look great this morning. The Labor Day weekend crowd. I love it. Showed up faithfully to church this morning. Uh, Man, I love that energy, that passion uh, during worship today. If you would be willing, uh, take out a notepad, a physical copy of a Bible, something to take notes on today. And I say that every single time I get up here. And I say that because uh, we know that God speaks today. Amen, somebody? God speaks today. He's always trying to speak to his kids. And I believe that God has something that he wants to speak to us today exactly where we're at. I just want to really quick uh, just give a little props where props is due. This has been a really fun series. This is the first time I've ever preached uh, with a DeLorean behind me. I must say it's a little intimidating. I feel like I'm about to get ran over by a vehicle, but that's all right. Praise the Lord. Uh, I even was talking with Pastor Joe, and he asked me a question. This was uh, last week. He said, so you're going to be preaching next weekend. Have you seen the Back to the Future movies? Because it's into the future. We're kind of doing some of these themes, having fun dress-up contests and kids, all of that. And I said, well, I've seen, you know, parts. He said, wait, that doesn't count. He said, that you need to watch the movies before you preach your message. And so in preparation for today, I am happy to report to you that I did watch the Back to the Future movies, you know, beginning to end. I have no idea on whether or not that's going to help me today, but I felt like it was only right. And so it's been a fun series. And, and as I was preparing my message, I was thinking about these themes of we're going into the future. Throughout this series, we've uh, we've talked about getting past our past, kind of, uh, you know, being able to overcome things in our past. We talked about prioritizing our present, going into the future. And I was kind of reflecting on, uh, on one of the most common questions that I get asked as a pastor. And it's some variation of this question right here. The question is, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? What and do? That's the question. What does God want me to do? The what and the do. I want to focus uh, on that. And it's really important because decisions matter. Decisions matter. Where are you at today in your life? Ultimately, where you're at today in your life is a result of all of the decisions that you've made in the past leading up to where you're at right now. And, And where you're going in the future And what you're going to be able to accomplish will be a direct result of the decisions that we make today. But this is a problem because how many know not all of us are great decision makers? Show of hands. Uh, Oh, no, I didn't mean quite yet. I mean, hands went up, praise the Lord. But uh, how many, that's awesome. How many have made a, a lasting, long, impactful decision based off of a temporary emotion? Anybody? How many people have, have lost their temper when they shouldn't have and, and made decisions based off of that? Anybody? Okay, don't raise your hand. How many lost their temper on the way to church this morning? Like, you, oh, don't show, don't, not, no, no hands this morning. You know, you're driving to church this morning and you're in a fight and you're like, 
Kids, you better shut up. We're going to go worship God and you're going to love it. Praise Jesus for the glory of God. Shut up. You know what I'm saying? And so here's the thing. We've all made decisions that we've regretted. We've all done things, made decisions where we look back on it later and go, man, I wish I would have done that a little bit differently. Maybe it was, maybe it was somebody that you dated and you look back on it and you say, man, I wish I would have done that differently or just maybe just skip that whole season altogether. Maybe it was a big purchase or when maybe you were with your, your buddies and, and you're, you're like, hey, watch this. Or maybe you're from North Country and it's like, hold my beer and watch this. You know what I'm saying? And you do something, make a decision that you might regret. Here's the thing. A lot of us in the room right now, I can guarantee there's a lot of people who have very significant decisions to make. Like, like there's things in your life that require decision. And this week as I was studying about decision making, I was reading some different information and I was, I was actually a little bit surprised to read uh, so much about how decision making is more difficult now than in years past. And there was a couple different reasons for that. The first one that they uh, talked about was the pace of life, picking up and picking up and picking up. There's more programs and more things to do, more decisions to make. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The pace of life is just going faster. You used to be able to uh, calendar for a year. Now you can't even calendar for a month. You got to go back in and fix things and different things to do. The second reason was that in today's culture, there's more options and more decisions to make. And so maybe you're graduating high school and you think, well, I got to, what, what college should I pick out of the hundreds of colleges? What major out of so many different majors? The kids, are we going to send them to private school or home school or public school? Which public school? Are we doing school of choice? Which job am I going to take? There's so many different options, especially nowadays. Uh, there's so many different options to take. Are, is my wife, she's going to stay home with the kids? Is she going to work? So many different options and decisions to make. It's like this. Uh, Naya and I, and my wife Naya, she's uh, in kids right now. Uh, she and I, when we first moved into our house, we only had a DVD player and like 10 DVDs. And, and so when we wanted to sit down and relax and rest, put on a show or movie or whatever, it was a very easy decision because there's only like 10 movies. We're watching the same movies over and over again. Now, okay, so just a couple of nights ago, we sit down, we turn on Netflix, and, and I, I see the heads nodding. You know how this story goes. We searched for 45 minutes. We found nothing, got frustrated, and didn't end up watching any movies. And so what do we have? We have a Netflix culture that's making it much more difficult to make decisions. And here's what happens. Many people have a fear of making an imperfect decision. And so what actually happens is they make no decision. And no decision actually ends up becoming a much worse decision than the imperfect decision. Do you know what I'm talking about? And so we need direction from God. Amen, somebody? And I want to answer a big question today. When it comes to God's will, God's will, what does he care about? The first thing, if you're taking notes, it is who before do. God cares more about the who before the do. This is what the scripture says 
in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 3. Man, I wish I just had a verse that would tell me what God's will is. God's will is for you to be an accountant. Do we have that slide there, guys? Go ahead and throw that up on the screen. We might not. This is what the Bible says. It says God's will is for you to be holy. It doesn't say that God's will is for you to be an accountant. It doesn't say that it's God's will for you to make $100 million. It says that God's will is for you to be holy. And it's very interesting, that word there, holy, in the Greek is the Greek word hagios. Hagios. It means to be set apart, to be different, to be changed, to be set apart from God. In other words, if, if we're following God's will and we want to be holy, as we're being conformed into the image of God, we shouldn't look like this world. We shouldn't be motivated by what this world deems as important. We shouldn't be focusing on temporary things that will fade and will disappear. We want to be set apart and focused on that. When we're be, being conformed into the image of God and becoming like him, it's very interesting. Jesus, in the scriptures you read, he really never talked about people's careers. In, in fact, when he would talk about people's jobs, he would oftentimes was giving them an invitation to come out of this job and follow me. He didn't talk about careers. He talked about character. He talked about becoming like him. He talked about following God. See what, uh, and it's very evident what, what Jesus puts the importance on. I really believe we should do the same. It's because who you're following, Jesus, is more important than what you're going to do vocationally. Who you're following, it's about the who. What does God want me to do? That's a lot of uh, what people ask. What does God want me to do? But a better question is who does God want me to become today? When we start there, here's what happens. It'll eventually lead you to the right there, but it's who before do. And I just want to say this. Uh, I really do believe that it is God's will for me to be a pastor. I'm convinced in the Lord that I, I'm in the right place. It is God's will for me to be a pastor. However, I'm going to argue that that is actually his secondary will for me. That his primary will for me is to be holy. That uh, his, his primary will is to become a Christian, a Christ follower who's operating with integrity than what I do. See, we're, I'm a Christian first. I'm a pastor second. Because the, the who and the do are not the same thing. Oftentimes, uh, we get our identity wrapped up in what we do. You know what I'm talking about? We get our identity, maybe, you, uh, maybe you're a student in here. And you get your identity wrapped up in you're just a student. And so you don't see how God can use you. Or you're just a single mom. Let me tell you, there's no such thing as just a single mom. That's a lot of work. You're, you're, you're discipling kids. You're raising kids. That, that is so. Uh, and this wasn't in my notes. But the who is so much more important than the do. And oftentimes we get our identity wrapped up in the do. And, and back to what I was saying, you know. I can be a pastor and be out of God's will 
if I'm not doing things with a pure heart, if I'm not pursuing him with a pure heart, a clean heart, and doing things with integrity. So if I preach a good message, but I'm abusing my wife, I'm outside of God's will. If I preach a good message, but I'm manipulative and controlling to the people around me, I'm out of God's will. If I, maybe I'm, you know, if I'm a charismatic leader or an effective or whatever, that doesn't matter if I'm irresponsible with money and, and cheating and doing all of these different things. I'm outside of God's will. It's who before do. Who you are is more important to God. And I believe God would rather have me do something else with a pure heart than be a pastor with no integrity. I believe God would rather have me do something else if I, if I was serving him, if I was, uh, you know, had character there, than do something that appears spiritual but have unconfessed sin in my life. You know what I'm talking about? So how does this apply to you? Maybe you're dating somebody and you're dating them and you think, okay, there's some stuff going on and you think, I don't know if I should date this person. Here's the thing. Date the person with integrity who's serving Jesus. Be the right who in that relationship. Be, do what God would call you to do and focus on being who God has called you to be in that relationship. Maybe you're thinking, okay, I got a job choice to make. I could go here or I could stay at this spot here. And here's the thing. It, it doesn't matter as much about where you are. Be a faithful Jesus follower there. Wherever you're at, be a faithful Christian there. Be who God would want you to be there. Maybe you're thinking, I have a major, should I major in business or should I major in elementary education? Whatever you major, serve Christ there. Be a faithful Jesus follower there. Instead of thinking about the do in the future, focus on the who God created me to be right now. And I, I really struggled with this concept. And there was a moment, a really a, a long, a prolonged season. It didn't have to be prolonged, but I made it prolonged. You know what I'm saying? Anybody have one of those where you could have ended the season much quicker, but you're, you had to be stubborn? That was me. It was my, after my second year of college. And I had been, been seeking God and had been praying. And really, I'd been serving at the church for several years and really was taking my relationship with the Lord very seriously. I had seen uh, transformation and life change inside of me. And really, it was decision time for me because I knew I wasn't supposed to continue on this path that I was on. I really knew that God had something different for me. I just didn't know what. And so I'm praying, uh, you know, night after night. I'm asking counsel around me, what should I do? I'm praying and seeking God, Lord, what do you have for me? And it was one night I was reading my Bible in my bedroom at my desk, and I felt the Spirit of God drop one word into my heart. Work. I thought, where, Lord? What, okay, work, I get it. Do you want me to work here? Do you want me to work there? Do you want me to, and I heard nothing. Do you want me to pursue this career? And heard nothing. And so I just was obedient to the Lord, and I, and I got a job. The job wasn't important. What was important was that I was following Jesus there, and that I was serving Jesus there. What was actually important about that season was the process of transformation that God was doing on the inside of me. And so I just, I just kept 
praying. I was trying to figure out what I was going to do, but I was forcing it. And it wasn't until I got to the spot where I just said, okay, God, I'm not going to try to force this. I'm going to just allow you to work on me, to build my character, to transform who I am. Because one thing that's true is I know that if God would have given me all the answers, I would have screwed it up. If I would have known the end from the beginning, I would have completely, I probably would have rejected God's plan for me. And so what was important is the process of transformation, that, that God was working inside of me because I knew, uh, looking back on it, there was character development that needed to happen. There was transformation. God needed to work on some things inside of me before he could speak my next steps. And I said, Lord, I'm just going to focus on you. I'm just going to focus on what you're leading me into. Just, just focus on seeking you, reading the word, praying, seeking you. And I'm going to allow you to lead me step by step. And it was after that that I received breakthrough. And so it's who before do and not, not so much on where are we going in the future. It's who does God want me to be right now. But how do we do that? I want to get very practical. Romans 12, chapter 2. This is the Amplified Bible. It says, And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. So there's a couple of things here I want to talk about. Number one, being uh, conformed to this world. The scripture says, do not be conformed to this world. I'm just going to tell you that is easier said than done. It's easier said than done. And I want to ask a question uh, about this. What are your biggest influences in your life? When we're talking about don't be conformed to this world, what are the biggest influence, uh, influences in your life? And what I mean by that is uh, who, who in your life has the biggest influence? Who are you spending the most time with? Your friend group, the people you're spending time with, are they faithfully following Jesus? Are they serving him? Are they encouraging? Are they a model of who you want to become? Or are they leading a sinful life, and they curse God whenever you bring the Lord up and what he's doing into your life. See, what the Bible says in Proverbs is bad company corrupts good character. It is biblical truth that who you spend the most time with, if you spend time with people who are not like Jesus, it is going to be very, very difficult to become the who that is God's will for you to become. Amen, somebody? Another question about being conformed to this world. Uh, the, the music, the movies, the, the shows that we're watching, that we're listening to, are, are they positive? Are they negative? Uh, I just want to say, uh, when I was in high school, uh, I liked rap music. I know I don't look like somebody, right, who, who would be into that, but that was... Uh, what I was into, and, and when I really started seeking God, I had to make a clean break with it, because I, I saw what it was doing, I saw where it would lead me spiritually, and I had to cut that out of my life. The movies, when I and I first got, uh, uh, started dating, rather, 
we love the scary movies. Anybody a scary movie fan in here? A couple, not as many. I heard some, some very loud no's. Uh, when we started dating, we loved the scary movies. So, like, we would go to Annabelle. We would go to, like, The Conjuring, the, all of, like, the super demonic stuff. Um, and when I started getting closer to Jesus, I started resenting all of that. And I realized I, you know, I'll still watch a scary movie every once in a while, but this is not good for my heart. It's not good for my spirit. And so we need to evaluate the influences that we're, we're, we're putting in front of us. Here's another one, not in my notes. Um, does, does the news station have more of an influence in your life than God's word? Because if you're listening to whatever news station you listen to, and listen, I have news stations that I prefer. And if you know me personally, you know exactly what they are. But here's the thing. We can't allow those things to influence us more than God's word. We need to get up every morning. When we talk about, okay, don't be conformed, but be uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind. I want to get really practical with that. We need to get up every morning and read the word of God. Read the Bible, get into the word, pray often. It doesn't need to be hours of prayer. I am shocked at how long my wife can pray sometimes. It is incredible. With like, she doesn't get winded. Uh, I'm not that way. I I'll pray little chunks at a time. You don't need to pray hours at a time, but God wants to hear from you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to give you peace and wisdom and discernment and direction. He wants to speak those things to you. But we need to come to him as we really are. Did you know you don't need to put on a show for God? You don't need to put on a front for God. Can I let you in on a little secret? God already knows every intimate detail about your life. But he wants you to come to him with those things. If you're at work, here's, here's a practical thing. You need to look for moments to refocus your heart on Jesus when you're at work. Because I know for a lot of you in the room, you have people you work with who seem like they're demon-possessed. I saw uh, somebody waved, praise the Lord. You need to take a moment when you're at work and you're stressed out to close your eyes, focus on Jesus, ask him for strength, ask, ask him for grace, rely on him throughout your day. If you're that single mom at home, you need to rely on the Lord. I've been at Pastor Joe's house there in Tulsa. God bless him. And I've been at Pastor Joe's house all week uh, with, with Naya, and we've had their four kids. I have a new appreciation for what moms do. Uh, it's, it's incredible. You need to rely on Jesus. Refocus. When you're in the car, turn on worship. Spend that time. Instead of listening to talk radio, and I talk radio is great, but spend time worshiping God. You may not feel like it. I'm just going to tell you, there are days, there are mornings where I wake up, I don't want to worship God, but worship is a decision. Amen, somebody? Yeah. Worship is a decision. It's a decision you make to say, God, you are so good. Even though things may not be uh, appear good in my life right now, I'm going to worship you because you are faithful and you are good and you are holy and you deserve all of the praise. And so feelings, here's the great thing, feelings will follow those decisions. You know what I'm talking about? You begin to praise. There's mornings where 
it'll take a couple songs for me to kind of get into it, but the feelings will follow the decision to worship God. Amen, somebody? The Word of God needs to be the number one influence in our lives. And when we spend time with God in His Word, will transform, will be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We'll begin to change the way we think about things. Step by step, following him, God's will is who before do. His will is for you to be holy. The second thing, if you're taking notes, God's will is why before what? It's why before what? This is what the scripture says in Proverbs 16, 2. You may think everything you do is right, but the Lord judges your motives. The Lord judges your motives. Motives matter to God. The scripture says, you may think everything you do is right. That, that tells me we have an unbelievable opportunity to deceive ourselves. And, and married men in the room, you may think when you get into an argument with your wife, you may think everything you did was right. But it wasn't. I'm just telling you. I've, I'm four years into this. I got a little bit of experience. You may think everything you did was right, uh, but, but the Lord judges your motives. There's an old saying. It says that there's two reasons for everything, two reasons we do everything. There's the reason we tell everybody, and then there's the real reason. And, and so when we're going about in our, in our workplace with our family, uh, following what God is leading us into, here's a prayer that I try to pray often. And I, I would recommend you do the same thing. It's out of Psalm 139. The scripture says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I pray often, God, please search my heart. Reveal what, what my motives are to me. And it is, it is sometimes scary to me um, how impure my motives can be. Am I the only one up here? Sometimes pursue things with incorrect motives. Uh, sometimes my motives can be more me-centered than Christ-centered or other people-centered. It becomes about what I want. But here's the thing. Write this down if you're taking notes. You can't get to the right place when you start with the wrong motives. It is impossible to get to the right destination when we start with the wrong why. Why matters to God. So we have to examine our motives. So you're, say you're buying a car. Why are you buying the car? Are you buying the car because it's, you, know, you can afford it? And because you want reliable transportation, or are you buying the car to make a statement to everybody else about your worth? Nobody said amen to that. Are you okay? Are you posting the the, the picture, or are you posting the picture because you uh, want to share something sincere and point to the goodness of God, or is it because you want validation and approval from other people? And you want people to say, man, look at those cool shoes, man. They look at their life. It must be awesome. Or look at their body. I'm serious. But we need to re-examine the motives. And this, this validation thing and approval is, is a big one. And 
It says in Galatians 1.10, it says, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I still were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. This is one that I actually, I didn't have in my notes until I was going over my message this morning. And I was like, it just felt like I needed to share it, so I put it in. Uh, this validation and approval thing. What I'm seeing right now, especially in this generation that's coming up right now, is, is uh, they're getting on this treadmill of approval and validation and, and that they need to perform, that they need to put on a good performance to receive validation and approval. And what happens is it becomes uh, uh, something that actually rules people's lives. I remember, this is very personal to me because I remember, so my parents uh, got divorced. I was eight years old when they got divorced. And a combination of that and then through my childhood and in middle school and high school, uh, I, I poured everything into sports. So it was all of the sports and the, the, the validation and the approval that I found was when somebody would tell me good job from hitting a baseball or running a football or making a basketball hoop. It was based on performance. And what happened in my life was actually I was, I, I was 18 years old, really pursuing God in a, in a meaningful, impactful way. I was really trying to see what he had for me and, and, and allow him to transform me. And I had a full-blown approval addiction where I was doing everything with wrong motives, where it was I'm doing this to get them to tell me good job or to get these people to like me or to win the approval of somebody who didn't even know who I was. I know that there are people in here who are trying to do things to win the approval and validation of people who could care less about you. I want to free you from all of that. You have the approval and the validation from God. That's where we source out of. We don't source out of what other people say. We source out of what God says about you. So when God calls you a beloved child of God, you can rest and have peace in that. When God says that you're more than a conqueror, that you're victorious in him, we can rest in that knowing that God approves of us. Amen, somebody? And so if we're, if, okay, just one more thing on that. If you have somebody in your life, a young person, or you got kids, many of you in the room do, and not just when they're young, when they're old too, don't just, uh, don't just validate when they score a touchdown or get an A on a test. Both of those things are great. I'm not saying that they're not. Uh, validate when they show acts of compassion and when they're generous and when they're kind. Validate when, when your eight-year-old opens a door for the lady who's walking behind them. Validate the things, the things about who they are. You hear me? Validate who they are, not just what they do. Amen, somebody? Amen. Colossians 3, 7. This is very, very crucial. The Apostle Paul is writing, and he says, whatever you do, Everybody say that with me on the count of three. One, two, three, whatever you do. One more time. One, two, three, whatever you do. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord 
Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whether you're an entry-level employee or you're running the company, whether you're uh, the student in the class or the teacher, whatever you're doing, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Serve Jesus there. Whoever you're dating, serve Jesus there. Wherever you're working, serve Jesus there. Wherever you find yourself, whatever season of life that you're in, serve Jesus there. Whatever you do, wherever you are, serve Christ there. You might say, well, I'm just a student, but I got big plans to be a missionary overseas one day. Be faithful with the small things. Be a missionary in your biology class. You might say, well, I'm just, I just work at you know, the mechanic shop. Be a missionary in the mechanic shop. Serve Jesus wherever you're at. You might say, I'm at the fast food place. I'm just the fry guy, right? Do fries better than anybody has ever done fries. And then you'll get promoted to flipping burgers. Then do burgers better than anybody has ever done it. Because when people see your, you know, your excellent spirit, that's what the book of Daniel said. It said that Daniel was promoted because he had an excellent spirit. He did things well. He took it seriously. Whatever you're doing, you might have the temptation to want to say, well, it's not that important. Everything you do is important when, when you're doing it for Jesus. We don't work unto man. We work unto the Lord. Amen, somebody? And so when I was at the car wash, and you could just imagine some of the apathy that I brought into that, you know, had the temptation to bring into that workplace. When you do it for God, other people then will see that and see that, man, there's something different about them. Man, I need to, I need to talk to them. And then that opens up an opportunity to share Christ. A big mistake that people make is we look at successful people and, and we might uh, think, you know, there's just a couple of big decisions that they made to get them to a spot of success. And that is so wrong. It is thousands of daily decisions that lead to success. Daily decisions focused on who I'm becoming and why I'm doing what I'm doing. You might see somebody who's serving God and making a difference, a big impact for, for God, and that is countless decisions. Countless decisions of denying self, of denying yourself, and following Jesus, becoming more like him. God's will is who before do and why before what. When we get those right, God will lead us step by step to the right there, to the right place, and to the right what. And I had a moment in my life where it wasn't too long ago where I really had to check my motives. Actually, I should say God, God checked my motives. And it was during that shutdown season in 2020. And we were doing a thing called drive-in church where we had not reopened in-person gatherings. So we got an FM transmitter from China. And, uh, and we were preaching from the rooftop. And that was a very difficult season, I know, for so many of us in the room, and, and we were not excluded from that. And, uh, and, and so I'm going into church on a Sunday morning at 4.30 in the morning. Really kind of what we did, you know, we thought, we really pared things down with our volunteer teams because it was like, you know, we didn't know exactly what was going on, so we wanted to do things safe. So I'm heading in, it's very early. And uh, I get up on the roof, I'm getting things ready for that day, and I was just ungrateful 
and unhappy, and I was tired. And honestly, uh, my motives in that moment were, I just got to get it done. It's on my, it's on my, it's on my list. I just got to get it done. And, and just such a coldness I had in my spirit. And the sun was about to come up, and I kind of saw where the, the, the sky was kind of changing colors. And I felt the Lord reveal my heart to me in that moment. And I thought, I thought, no, 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 no. That's not why I'm doing this. That's not why I'm doing this. I'm doing this because there's, there's people who are hopeless, who need a message of hope that only Jesus can give. I'm doing this because Jesus came to bring liberty to captives. I'm doing this because there's people who are going to put their faith in Christ and be completely transformed. And when my why shifted, gratitude rushed in. When my why shifted, I felt hope rise up in me. When my why shifted, I began to praise Jesus. And I, I was just on the rooftop saying, thank you, God, for allowing me to serve you. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in our church. And I began to praise Jesus. And I'm telling you right now, if anybody in these neighborhoods uh, right back here behind the church were awake at that time. They saw a what appeared to be a, an absolute lunatic uh, on a roof, praising, just shouting, praising God while zip tying uh, flags to a canopy. And so, but when our why shifts, we get more power in what we're doing. Do you see that? We think about Jesus and what he endured. The people he came to love, deliver, and save hated him, killed him, tortured him beyond what you could possibly imagine. When he was on the cross, he no longer resembled a human being. How was he able to endure what he went through? It's because he knew who he was. He knew why he came. Who was he? He was the son of God who came in the flesh not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. He was uh, the perfect sinless son of God who died on a cross in our place. Why did he come? So that he could make the ultimate sacrifice, the only one who could do it. Where the law failed, Jesus could fulfill what needed to be, uh, be done. He was able to do what he did because he knew who he was and why he came. When we want something in the future, be who God has called you to be today. When you are looking at what's going on in the future, think about who has God called me to be right now. When you're faithful with little, when you're faithful with what's right in front of you, God will trust you with more. When you're faithful with a little, the Bible says God will trust you with much. And God's will for so many of us in the room is more of a someone than a something. It's about becoming who God has created you to be rather than doing something in the future. And here's the thing. If you want a calling, you might be in here and say, I want a calling. Love people. That's a calling. Say, I want a calling. Serve people. That's a calling. Serve God. Serve in his church. Serve people. Love people. We look at the teachings of Jesus. It's not so much about career. 
It's about people. It's about loving God and loving people. What's the greatest commandment? Love God and love people. It's a reflection of who we are. Here's the thing. It's all leading to this right, right here. When we get the who right, we do more. When we get the why right, the what has power. The Bible says that man plans his purposes, but the Lord directs his steps. So you don't have to worry about the future. What did Jesus say? He said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to worry about itself. We know that God directs our steps. And you might be in here and, and you, see, you hear me talking about who and why instead of the do and the what. And you might be thinking, I wanted direction. Like I wanted, I wanted you to tell me what God wanted me to do. Here's the thing. Two thoughts. Everything's leading to this right here. Right here. If you're becoming the right who, God will help you choose the right do. I'm going to say that again. If you're becoming the right who, God will help you choose the right do. And if you're becoming, uh, let me uh, move on. If you're driven by the right why, God will lead you to the right what. So whatever you're doing, whoever you're dating, how you're raising your kids, whatever job you're at, do it all for the glory of God. Don't worry about the who or the do out there. Worry about the who in today. Amen, somebody? We want to press in to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And then when he guides your steps, he will do more in you and through you than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. Would you bow your heads with me? We're going to pray a prayer. It's a, it's a prayer declaring the lordship of Christ in our lives. We're going to say this prayer and the Bible says if you pray this and you mean it, you'll be saved. And there's people who, I'm telling you, it is the best decision you'll ever make in your entire life. God will transform you. Your situation will follow, but he'll transform you, give you hope and a calling. Put your feet on a rock, the rock of Christ. If you'd bow your heads with me again, I want to ask if that's you in the room. Would you slip your hand into the air? Would you slip your hand into the air right now? I got you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Christians in the room, I want you to say this prayer with us as we repeat this as a declaration of your faith and also in support of those who are praying this for the first time or making a rededication to God. Nobody prays alone in this church. Amen. All right, repeat this prayer after me. Lord, I come before you today in search of a new way. You said in your word that if I would call Jesus Lord, that I would be saved. Jesus, I now call you Lord. I ask that you put your spirit in me. I believe that God raised you from the dead. Forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of all of my unrighteousness. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for washing me clean. In Jesus' mighty name. 
and everybody said amen together. Come on, can we give it up for those people who accepted Christ today? We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. 